0: Welcome back, everybody, to the NSO show. It is Wednesday as we record this. Tomorrow is football Thanksgiving, and tonight the Celtics are putting
1: on a Milwaukee Bucks whooping. You say that, Tom, and you forget it's the NBA, and I'm not say no lead is safe, but. These are these are games of runs. A twenty point lead means almost nothing until there's like three minutes left. So
0: that is correct, but I have the power to edit that out before <laughs> this comes out tomorrow. It's true, but That's that true. did run through my head. Like, do you do you go ahead and say it? Yeah. It is, yeah. It's third quarter right now. I think they're up it,
1: sixteen. Yeah, we'll we'll be done by the time this game is over. So, uh, yeah, you could always edit that out if if you're horrendously wrong. That's why I try not to get too excited, even though the Celtics are absolutely rolling in the first half. Uh,
0: Speaking of horrendously wrong, how about Jim Ursay saying, I got arrested because I'm a white billionaire.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the police are always targeting them, aren't they?
0: They're always after the white billionaires
1: you know when it. when tom are the rich white guys going to get a fair shake in this country when i don't know i'm sure there's a movement for it they could afford to fund it and i'm sure we know who they voted for oh yeah if not they'll they'll tell us we might not be able to get financial records but they'll tell us that one of
0: The best weeks of the year for football. Well, in theory, because there tends to be, especially over the years with Detroit not being particularly good, you end up with a few stinkers on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, I think a lot of places have developed the friday day off after thanksgiving so i'm guessing that is why we now have a random friday 3 p.m game this week so three thursdays a friday it really gives you the chance even if you don't have sunday ticket to catch more than half of the games live
1: what was i heard a term recently you know the I can't remember what they call it, like the you know, one game at a time or or something like that, where it really is a showcase game for the NFL. And that's what the Thursday night game has become, and obviously on Thanksgiving where yeah, you know, they line up. You know, one game ends, you have like a 45 minute break, another game starts, and and you have the triple header effect. This is a great week, and I actually really do love the way the NFL has set this up, and you know, part of it, and probably this is intentional by the league's part is having the highest rated, most watched Monday night football game since nineteen ninety six, this past Monday in Chiefs Eagles. And now you have Thanksgiving. The Lions are finally a, a star of that show. And usually that is the kind of the dipping your toe in, you're you know, like we eat fairly early, so we eat on, you know, like two o'clock ish. Yeah. So we're usually kind of the food's getting ready. We eat. I miss a chunk of the game. You see the end. And then I'm kind of ready during dessert for uh for the Dallas game. But this year, I mean, I think I'm most looking forward to watching Lions Packers just for you know kind of the reversal of fortune there, where it's like, okay, like this is not say the final test for the Lions, but this is that kind of next step of relevancy that, okay, they're one of the best teams in the NFC, but can they wallop the Packers on Thanksgiving Day like they should? And thankfully, the Packers looked competent
0: last week, which helps leading in, as opposed to the Commanders.
1: Yeah, well, the Commanders are just uh, the Commanders play Philadelphia. Well, they don't play the Giants. Well, you know, they beat the Patriots, which everyone beats the Patriots this year. Um, So you really don't know what you're going to get. I'm not sold on the, you know, Dallas, Dallas may route them. We, we we know Dallas gets up on a team, they can absolutely just boat race them by halftime. But there's a, an equal chance that Sam Howell does that kind of Sam Howell stuff and makes this at least a competitive game. Um, yeah, I'm not going to totally write that one off. The the commanders are so Jekyll and Hyde on a week to week basis. I mean, no one saw them going into that one losing to the hapless Giants and, uh, and there they were. So That's an okay one, and then uh, you got the night game as well. little feels like a lot of NFC West. Those night games are like, we need need a third game for the triple header. Let's just throw, you know, like Niners-Rams or Niners-Seahawks or Seahawks. It's always some combination that doesn't involve the Cardinals. I think they naturally
0: gravitate to the West Coast for those late games on like a short week. Because you're already getting less time, so you don't have to deal with a wonky time zone change or maybe a, a real late
1: night. Or,
0: hey, still got some time maybe after the game to go home and have a little turkey
1: before bedtime. Sure. There probably is more of a science to it. I mean, last year we saw it was central time zone, Patriots at Vikings, which I mean, I, I did not enjoy. But, Tom, um, how do you, as a Cowboys fan, You know, I mean, you have not known a world where the Cowboys didn't play on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. How does that play into your holiday? Like, are do you ever look at one year and go, God, I wish the Cowboys weren't playing today?
0: No, I mean, I always enjoy the Cowboys. I mean, I still watched as a kid when it was Quincy Carter leading them out onto the field, and I feel like for the most part. They tend to be in a matchup that favors them on Thanksgiving. And it's probably done that way on purpose. Big audience, America's team. Like, I don't think you're putting so. Cowboys against, you know, Chiefs or even Eagles. Like, in theory, rather than two weeks ago, if you had saved Cowboys, Eagles for primetime Thanksgiving that would have been
1: the the spotlight. That should have well, been he, the one. And here's the rationale behind that is they don't need to. Everyone's already watching. So this right. is one where you put, well, in this case, a lesser division game, or you put kind of a, just a lesser game in general, because people are going to watch it. it. It doesn't matter. If the game goes south, people just kind of have it on. You're visiting, you're eating, you're you're doing whatever. You're going to leave the game on. You're not going to switch it off and, and move to, I don't know, something like christmas movies or hallmark or you know whatever macy's you, parade you, the the replay of the macy's parade um so yeah i, th- I think that's why we don't get we're, we're not getting eagles cowboys anytime in the next like five years you know the commanders they're just fine right you know, or, or so the saints or some kind of random matchup right you know, so
0: by that logic that's why i think they tend to be get a favorable matchup for that thursday So it's always kind of been appointment viewing, especially growing up as a kid, because you always knew you were probably going to see, you know, Troy and Emmett or Michael splitting a turkey leg, talking to John Madden.
1: Oh, for, I mean, so for the most part, I mean, the only other Thanksgiving games besides, you know, there's last year, um, obviously the butt fumble game is my favorite Thanksgiving football memory. Um, Patriots also there were the throwbacks one year went to Detroit one big you know there, there's a couple like that it's like okay you know, like those are those are fun memories uh fun fact most don't remember this the first regular season game Tom Brady ever played in as a as a as a pro was against the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving in the year 2000 it was his first actual regular season in-game action in and it came where the Patriots got boat raced like 34 to nine you know what a world that the Patriots got demolished by the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving
0: I think the Cowboys are thirty-two, twenty-two, and one all time on Thanksgiving. You think so?
1: You, is that that's just an educated guess?
0: I'm making it sound educated, but I looked it up in <laughs> according to DallasNews.com.
1: you know, it, I think in our lifetime, oh, whatever it is. Wait, this
0: article was okay. Okay, it was up upta- to okay. It's been updated since twenty eighteen. <laughs> it's been
1: updated. Yeah. Um, that's funny because I, I did sort of wonder like. I wonder what it is in our lifetime now. The Cowboys were obviously great in the '70s. This is a tradition that goes way back. Uh, that they were also uh, the the secondary game. Detroit has been, I think, longer just by joining the NFL earlier. Um, but I wonder what the record is in our lifetime because it felt like for years, you know, Dallas never lost on Thanksgiving because the Thursday game at that point, up until you know, pretty recently. No one was used to playing Thursday night games and I think for Thursday games. And I think, too, for Detroit, it was a benefit, even when they were terrible, that they were used to doing the short week. Yeah, they had it kind of down to that science of, all right, we know how we need to prepare because we have the short week and most teams don't have it and don't know how to do this.
0: Well, they lost the first four years of our lives. Seahawks, they lost to an 86, Vikings in overtime 87, 44 to 38. It's a good game for 1987.
1: That was a shootout. Was that, uh, well, I guess the quarterbacks were, was it like Wade Wilson or Tommy Kramer from Minnesota? I don't know. It doesn't have the box Uh. scores.
0: Not football reference. Uh, Then they lost to the Oilers in 88. Got shut out by the Eagles in eighty nine. So they have had an Eagles Thanksgiving.
1: <laughs> but remember at that point, you know, Dallas was terrible. Like that was the waning yeah. days of the Tom Landry era. So it was kind of the mismatch the other way that the Buddy Ryan Eagles were the favorite and Dallas was kind of the also ran.
0: Yeah. And uh then it starts turning around, as you would imagine, in ninety. Beat the Redskins, beat the Steelers in ninety one, pound the Giants in ninety two, lose, of course, in ninety three. Leon Let. Yeah, the Miami
1: Dolphins, sixteen to fourteen. And it snowed in Dallas. And like I didn't realize till till later. I remember watching that game vividly. Uh we were at my grandmother's house, and I'm watching it. And they're like, look, it snowed. And I was like, oh, it's cool. You know, They're playing a game in the snow, which, by the way, like those Miami uniforms just popped in, in, in the snow in Dallas. It wasn't until I was a bit older that I was like, wait, it snowed in a dome in Texas? Like, It's the most bizarre. I don't think we've spent enough time mm. just as a people talking about the fact that there's a hole only yay big in the dome, yet the whole field was completely covered in snow. And they played a snow game on Thanksgiving in Dallas. I I need a 30 for 30, just about all of this, especially the way it it ended.
0: And the weather in general. Remember, they had like the ice storm slash winter storm for the Super Bowl a few years ago? They did. They did. Yeah. Then after that, beat the Packers, beat the Chiefs, beat the Redskins, lost to the Titans in 97. And
1: lost to the Vikings in 98. Yep, 46-36. Randy Moss, three catches, 163, three tuds.
0: Yep, that was one of those. Hey, Dallas was one of the teams that passed on Randy Moss. Yeah. Uh, Blank the Dolphins in 99. Lost to the Vikings in 2000. A lot of Vikings matchups on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Lost to the Broncos in 2001. Beat the Redskins. Lost to the Dolphins. A lot of Dolphins matchups Thanksgiving. Beat the Bears. Lost to the Broncos in overtime in 2005. Is like that was, Jake think, Cutler?
1: Uh, or is that Jake I think Plummer? It's, I think it's still Jake Plummer, but I remember in that one, was, I don't remember the running back. It was either Orlandis Gary or Mike Anderson. It was in that post Terrell Davis era before clinton portis maybe yeah and i started them in fantasy it was when like yeah i think it was either mike anderson replaced Orlando gary or or vice versa uh and i started them and they did like absolutely nothing and just ruined my thanksgiving it was the first of uh many many uh poor fantasy football decisions on thanksgiving that have gone on to Mm. plague the holiday over the years so now i've gone into the if i have someone that i'm undecided on playing on thanksgiving i just bench them just, just don't even just, just yeah. bench them no. then if they go off it ruins your day anyway so just to finish it out because we got this far
0: uh, 2006 they beat Tampa beat the Jets the next year pounded the Jets the next year beat the Seahawks beat the Raiders lost to the Saints beat the Dolphins again lost to the Redskins beat the Raiders lost to the Eagles lost to the Panthers Beat the Redskins, lost to the Chargers, beat the Redskins, lost to the Bills in 2019, lost to the Washington football team in 2020 by a score of 41-16. to I take it back. I take it back. (laughs) That one was not enjoyable. No. Lost to the Raiders in overtime two years ago, and beat the Giants last year.
1: A lot of uh, you know, uh, I think I've blanked on all these Raider games, but yeah, a lot of Vikings and a lot of Dolphins mixed in there. Uh, it seems like a like a
0: interdivisional game every other year.
1: Well, now it's back to back with the Giants and Commanders, so you wonder if it's like they're going to take kind of the lesser divisional game and put it in there. But you know, now the Thursday night games are a little more than norm. Mm. Like they have more freedom with it, but they also kind of use it less. But again, they don't need to highlight this. The, the game highlights itself. So the third game, I think they do sort of put a little, you know, the fact that they had Vikings Patriots last year. So like, ah, oh, let's just pick something totally off the wall. Either that or someone at NBC or one of these networks just loves the Vikings on Thanksgiving. I feel so like they, it was the Ravens like- for a nice stretch.
0: I couldn't yeah, be making like, that up like, in my head, but I felt like the third game was the Ravens
1: for like three straight years. If, if I were to think, it was always like Ravens Niners, something something along those lines. You know, Maybe they were doing like the Harbaugh brother family thing. I don't know, but yeah, you're right. It seems like the Ravens are involved a lot. Same with the, uh, the 49ers.
0: All right, that was a weird rabbit hole that I did not think we were going to go down. So let's keep it moving. All right, now let's do
1: the Lions. <laughs>
0: Let's do the dolphins. Just let's go over everybody's Thanksgiving game records. Uh Celtics still cruising by the way. 94-79 right now. Third quarter coming to a close. Your boy Tom Brady making a little news this week on Stephen A Smith's show. Saying uh just a lot of mediocre football this season. And Aaron Rodgers backed him up on the McAfee show. So, yesterday. Interesting. Kind of one year out. Like, yeah. A lot of mediocre, mediocre play. I feel like it was said, but not said. A lot of mediocre quarterback play.
1: He's not wrong. I mean, no, but surprising that he says it. Well, and I think he said before, I mean, I think he said uh, it wasn't last season earlier in the year. You know, he's lightly criticized, we'll say, you know, either the state of quarterback play or, or the state of the game in general. And I think it's one of those things that you see from guys who have retired. You know, so last weekend, Sunday, Patriots bye week, I hunkered down. I kind of get excited during the bye week where it's like, okay, don't have to think about my own team, especially this year's team. And I just watched, like, everything that was on. I had red zone on during the early games. I I sat with Jets' uh, bills because I just wanted to see I'm a sicko and I'm fascinated by this Jets team and just what they're doing. Yeah, um, you're weird on that one. I've, I know, I've had it's enough. It, it's a strange. Not just like,
0: because I have Garrett Wilson, who I took with a relatively high fantasy pick.
1: Right, it's just sad. At the beginning, you go, "Wow, Garrett Wilson can like lift this team up," and now you are looking at it going, "Yeah, maybe, maybe there is no lifting this team up." Um, it, it is. Uh, I am weirdly like a little sad that they've decided to finally bench Zach Wilson. I kind of like the like, okay, they've got to do it this week. Nope, they didn't do it. All right, next week they're gonna they're gonna bench Zach Wilson. And finally, we're in the 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 Tim Boyle era, just in time for yet another nationally televised game on on Black Friday.
0: What's that? And that's also what. A week and a half after Robert Salo's complete confidence in him. We're not Full making confidence. a change.
1: Full confidence. Oh, and then 10 days later, he's the third-string quarterback, which I, I still don't totally understand, and maybe it's just because they don't They did want that last to... year
0: too, right? When they, they finally did. sat him, they just dropped him straight down to number three.
1: And my guess is to make sense of that is that you put him on third string so that if the starter gets hurt, well, the, the new starter gets hurt, if Tim Boyle goes down you're not immediately putting him back in. So you're not saying we're benching Zach Wilson and then one series in Boyle gets hurt and you have to go right back to Zach Wilson. I'm guessing that gives you that little bit of a a buffer in there. But in most cases, the third string quarterback doesn't even dress. So,
0: and do you really as bad as Zach Wilson is do you need a buff? Like who is,
1: who's now the backup? Who was their third quarterback? I'll look it up. You talk. It's Trevor Simeon. Oh, there you go. Who who they just signed? So he becomes the number two. Well, they were saying the same with Mac Jones that if Mac Jones is benched, he'll go to third string, and Will Greer would both of them would play monkey in the middle of Bailey Zappi, and Will Greer would become the starting quarterback. Zappi would stay two, and Mac becomes three. Uh, Which I guess the way you sort of have to do that is kind of an all or nothing. You're either the one or you're the three. There really is no, you're the number two. Uh, So I don't know, but I, I say all that to say. I watched a lot of the product this past weekend and there's always those weekends where it seems like you lose an inordinate amount of players to injury. And this was that weekend. So everyone was limping off going all the way back to, to Thursday night. You had the Joe Burrow injury. You had the Lamar Jackson injury scare. Mark Andrews goes down, you know, you lose Burrow and Andrews for the season. You know, thankfully Lamar was able to come back healthy. And then just watching on, on Sunday, even the red zone is like, Oh, this guy's limping off the field. Oh, Tyree Hill has a hand injury. He left the field. Just, It seemed like the product, it it wasn't great. And there were close-ish games, but nothing that was kind of barn-burning. But until Monday night, you didn't really have that, this feels like a big game, and it kind of lived up to the hype, even though it was played the rain, and there was, we'll say, sloppier elements, there was just a, a high level of play. So to say, I mean, yet again, I kind of agree with Tom Brady that I don't think this is the greatest product the NFL has put out, but also, if you love parody and you love kind of an open season, boy, do I have the year for you. Because if you look at the AFC right now, I mean, Tom, who is the number one seed in the AFC?
0: Probably still Kansas City, or is it I Jacksonville?
1: I think it's the Baltimore Ravens, and, and that kind of illustrates the point in that it's the Baltimore Ravens? I mean, really? The, the team that just lost? Uh, let's see. Yeah, the Baltimore Ravens are 8-3, Kansas City 7-3. But So you have Baltimore's 8-3. You have a four-way tie for the second-best record in the AFC with Kansas City, Jacksonville, Miami, and Cleveland. Jacksonville, Kansas City, Miami, and Cleveland are tied for the second-best record in the entire AFC behind the Baltimore Ravens, who lost to Cleveland two weeks ago, and the Browns have lost their quarterback. Well, not just that.
0: And it's been so long, because it happened, I think, what, week one, that we forget they lost a top five running back in the NFL in Nick Chubb. Sure. So you take that Cleveland team that has underperformed kind of season after season, and you say, oh, you're not going to have Deshaun Watson, and you're not going to have Nick Chubb. And somehow now you're 7-3. and and it looks like well, headed to the playoffs.
1: And, and to go back a, a few years where we thought they were going to finally have a winner. You know, they get Odell Beckham. They get Jarvis Landry. They get Kareem Hunt. They have Nick Chubb. The only player that's still there from any of that is Kareem Hunt and he was signed, you know, after Chubb got hurt ago. this season and he's backing up someone named Jerome Ford who's playing very well. But it's really Miles Garrett, it's a defense. Jim Schwartz, number one defense in the NFL. And Dorian Thompson Robinson playing quarterback. David Joku is finally a a capable NFL tight end. And then it's kind of like, let your voice drop. Like, what else are we looking at? It's not like, you know, Amari Cooper's lighting it up or, or just any of these parts and pieces that are still there where you look at it and go, yeah, see, but at least they have, you know, they have a Justin Jefferson or they have, um, another you know, A.J. Brown or, or some top-wide receiver yeah, that they, they've just sort of unlocked. Do they even
0: have a Christian Kirk? Is Cooper at this point as good still as Christian Kirk? Not to, I love Amari probably, Cooper. Probably he was not. good for the Cowboys, but he has no. obviously struggled with injuries and in production.
1: I would say probably not. I mean, it, it, it...
0: And some of that may be on the fact of <laughs> the current stack of quarterbacks he's had throwing in the ball this season, so.
1: Um, Okay, so the leading receivers right now for the Browns, Amari Cooper, David Njoku. Uh, Yeah, it it drops off steeply. Elijah Moore is their third best receiver. Then Jerome Ford, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who they traded to Detroit. He is still their fifth best receiver uh, after you take the running back out of it. And then Kareem Hunt. I mean, that's pretty much it. They're leading receivers uh, in terms of touchdowns, and Joe Cooper and Ford all have two receiving touchdowns this year.
0: Impressive.
1: Yeah. No, it, it is. So it it just goes to say that it is a very wide open year. Is it a great product? Not really. But it is a year where, I mean, we might see the Buffalo Bills miss the playoffs. We might see, I mean, the Broncos could make a run at it. It, it really is. We don't know. I mean, how many years do you look at Thanksgiving and go, we don't know the two to three best teams in the AFC. We know it in the NFC. I mean, I think it's San Francisco, it's Philadelphia, and then Dallas is sort of right there behind them. Yeah, they're below.
0: They lost to both.
1: God, our chance
0: for, I think, to possibly win the division bounced off that young man's hands just like that football as he was streaking wide open to the end zone as I saw the ball bounce from his hands onto the ground. Oh, there goes the chance at the division.
1: Well, and there's been moments like that this year, but we saw it, uh, the Chargers. I mean, their season kind of got fumbled away when Quentin Johnson could make that catch in Green Bay last weekend. I mean, he just bounces off his hands on a, on a pass that probably leads him to the end zone, and they beat the Packers instead. They're 4-6 and six, and, surprisingly or not, have not fired Brendan Staley this week. I think it's coming after this game. <laughs> I yeah, I would kind of, it of think so, but because it's I was what, ready for Ravens,
0: it right? they I make now Ravens Sunday night prime time? That defense hasn't stopped anybody. Who, by the way, Staley is a defensive guy. Got all snarky with a reporter saying, "Hey, who's calling plays?" And he's, "Hey, I'm going to be calling the defensive plays, so stop asking that question." If he gets absolutely trained by Lamar and the Ravens, I think, sayonara.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. And I think you don't want to have, and I don't know if this goes in the Spanos family's thinking at all, you don't want to have a interim head coach making his NFL debut on Sunday Night Football. I mean, I think that has to be there, there was talk I, I heard earlier this week that Ron Rivera is probably going to be fired after the Dallas game this weekend because they didn't want to fire him on Monday after losing to the Giants and then have an interim try to get the team ready for in a short week, which would probably be uh, Jackson. Right or, uh... I mean, I, I was thinking probably be enemy. Oh, I mean, that's what
0: that's what I meant to say. Be enemy. Yeah.
1: Uh, I was, yeah. I mean, Eric Enemy's offensive was coordinator, like, a Hugh Jackson. Ooh. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, Hugh Jackson. Dear God, no. Uh, so probably Enemy because yep. it's a, most most were kind of thought. I think you know Jack Del Rio would probably be out with Rivera because of the defense. So I don't know, but that makes a ton of sense. That you wouldn't want a interim coach, you know, taken over on a short week. You want to get him ready for Thanksgiving. But this could go seriously wrong. So Ron Rivera may be coaching for his job right now, but at the same time, what do you do? And and last, and and you don't want to kind of burn the ships with Eric Bayanemi, who has been at the top of a lot of people's lists of becoming a head coach, and I think he's done some good things with Sam Howell that he's unlocked a few things here and there in that offense, but do you really want to make him the interim head coach right now if you don't intend to make him the head coach? Or is this the opportunity to start him you know, put them out there and, and give them that test run and use it as the science experiment of, all right, let's see, would this work? Is, is this what we want? So in, in a sick way, you know, the guy who we've talked about for three years in Kansas City of someone who should get a head coaching look and hasn't gotten it has to audition. It's like, mm, yeah, and how I would necessarily he, feel about
0: that. Because like you said, it was, you know, three plus years of, hey, how come this guy hasn't gotten a shot why isn't he getting more interviews and suddenly like everybody looking for a reason to say well I think it's all Andy Reid and it's all Patrick Mahomes which like you said this is first chance to prove otherwise and he's done some good stuff there but in his mind it's like huh Ron Rivera is pulling down pit lane with fenders flying off and a flat tire. If you're B. Enemy, do you really want to hop in the driver's seat right now? Like, this is going to be my demo tape.
1: Right. He's getting the Ricky Bobby start where the laughing clown malt liquor car is pulled in and the uh, driver's getting right out of the car because he's got to take a whiz. And they're like, oh, anyone here want to do some driving? And that's what they're giving Eric BNME, which has got to be infuriating when you look at some of the coaches who are getting head coaching looks. It's like these guys, like, I mean, look at Brendan Staley right there. Look at, uh, I mean, I think uh, Shane Stakin's done a a good job with the Colts this year, and Jonathan Gannon may actually have a little something going uh, with the Cardinals, you know, and those things would be shots, explosives, you're fast, pew, pew. Frank
0: Reich, not so much, which has really gone well to our conversation, and it was aimed more so about baseball a few weeks ago, about, God, just trying to get every bit of rubber off the old old tires, just retreading, like, hey, what's Buck Showalter doing? Oh, they're bringing Ron Washington, as opposed to these guys taking chances on young coordinators and it paying off. Like, hey, Frank Reich didn't end well, necessarily. Didn't go well down the stretch of Indianapolis. Well, let's bring him in. Great, Great guy. And it has absolutely bombed
1: in carolina i think it's just looked worse uh, the the carolina thing i, I think speaking to your know, retreads in baseball i think young coaches in baseball because guys can just play for so long is looked at differently you know if gabe kapler becomes the the manager at a younger age or uh was it oliver Marmol and and st louis or uh some of the younger managers we've seen is it like, wait why didn't you play minor league baseball until you were 39 you know, and, and then why weren't you a first base coach in single A Trenton for, you know, 11 years? And then you get your shot when you're 60, like, you know, uh, Brian Snitker in, uh, Snedeker in uh, Atlanta, you know, like 65 years old. That's when you should be, get your first big league manager's job. Um, I think in the NFL, you know, you're starting to see guys younger and younger, you know, Mike McDaniel, I mean, Josh McDaniel, the first time, Sean McVay, all those, those guys kind of get the younger look. Look, like Frank Wright, what do you want him to do? Like that's that's what I want all the people who are criticizing and saying that you know he may get fired. What do you want him to do with that roster? He's brought in to be the head coach. There's just nothing there. You know, and you have But they were a frisky pick. They were a frisky were.
0: pick at the beginning. People expected them to at least move forward because he had almost the same talent that they had last year. You're in theory Getting an upgrade at quarterback, and you nearly made the playoffs in a bad division
1: last year, and they've gotten worse. But I think what it comes down to, and why people think the the seat may be hot there for Frank Wright in Carolina, is that David Tepper is the type of owner that would fire a coach ten games of the city. you know kind of like. You know, Denver was like, okay, Nathaniel Hackett is clearly not the guy. Uh, which, by the way, if we talk about Nathaniel Hackett, we got to talk about him moving up to the booth, um, which I think <laughs> just kind of makes me laugh as we look at offensive coordinators going up and down you know, from the, the booth. But like, what do you want him to do with, with that Carolina roster? I mean, it's Brian Burns. You have Bryce Young, rookie quarterback, who's undersized. There's no weapons there. Miles Sanders got banished there from Philadelphia. Which, by the way, can you think of a worse twist of fate to go from playing in the Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles as a running back behind that offensive line to go into Carolina, where you know you see quarterbacks running for their lives? Miles Sanders is running for his life back there, and Shuba Hubbard, and I mean, there's just there isn't talent there, and they don't have a number one pick, so they're just kind of languishing. Because here's the thing, they've got to be trying. There's no benefit to them losing these games because that first-round pick goes to the Bears. But that seems like, then, that would
0: have been the perfect opportunity to take a chance on a younger quarterback. Because... You, you mean a younger coach? Or a younger coach, sorry. Sure, <laughs> they have Sure,
1: co- I mean, Bryce Young is, is pretty young. That high schooler Brighton's that you really young. like. Uh, if they don't bring an eighth grader in, they're never going to turn it around. Young Arch Manning. Uh, They got Bryce Old is their quarterback.
0: No, but that seems like that should have been the chance. Like, okay, there's not a lot here. We don't have a pick next year. Yeah, Yeah, let's – because now you're kind of stuck. I mean, yes, you could fire Frank Reich after one season, I guess, and try again, but then you get in that zone where – After a while, that's going to be a put-off when you're looking for another coach. We heard about it for months with to make the connection to baseball again with the Red Sox looking for a new president, GM, whatever fancy label they want to put on it now that changes. But they had, what, two straight GMs, whatever you want to call it, go for four years and then get fired, and everyone said, This has to be a long-term pick because if you do another short one and you fire another guy, you're going to have trouble getting people that want to take the job.
1: I think the difference is, and and I don't know with the Red Sox thing and and their search for a new baseball operations head. Um, I don't know how much of that whole, wow, this guy didn't want to be interviewed. This guy took his name out of the running was specific to the Red Sox, I mean, because the GM shelf right. life, in, and I I I'm not in saying it was. I'm just saying in sure. general. But, but that was a conversation where people were like, "Are people going to want this? Uh, do people really want to come to Boston?" It was just the, and, and I think this is partly the media's fault because the media generates. Okay, we have an opening with the Boston Red Sox for president of baseball operations. Here's who we think the candidates are. They have no idea who the candidates are, but this is who we think the candidates are. And then those candidates get interviewed by the media, not saying by the team. And if they say they don't want to be in it, suddenly it's they're turning the job down. We have no idea if they even met with the Red Sox or if the Red Sox even had interest in these candidates. But it's the media saying these 10 candidates that we deemed to be fit. This wasn't a list that came from the team. They said when we interviewed them ourselves, They were not interested. They didn't want to leave their current team. So then the narrative becomes, well, the Red Sox can't find a capable general manager because obviously none of the people we suggested want the job. We have no idea if that was the case. As far as head coaching jobs in the NFL, you're going to be able to get one. I mean, would, let's say, okay, we'll say Frank Wright got fired this year. I I don't necessarily agree with it because it goes back to the other conversation you and I have had several times about head coaches, especially in the NFL, Is hiring the adults in the room. I mean, I looked at the Frank Wright hire going, there you go. Offensive guy. He can work with Bryce Young. Gives him a great shot. He's an adult in the room. Same with Ron Rivera. I mean, every time you hire Ron Rivera as your head coach, you look at it and go, okay, we know there's an adult coaching that team. When Carolina let him go, everyone said, this might not be the best move. They kind of maybe need a new voice, but they're going to miss a lot of what he brought to that franchise. As long as there's, Thirty-two teams in the NFL. That means there's 32 head coaching jobs. Someone's going to want it now. Is it a great spot. Would Bill Belichick want that Carolina job if he were to, you know, leave New England after this year? Would he look at that and go, "I got an owner that's you know, let go of like three head coaches in short order. Uh, is this what I'm going to want?" You know, he might pass. But if you're looking at Kellen Moore or uh, you know Ben Johnson in Detroit, you know. They might still look and go. Eh, it's, a, it's a NFL head coaching job. It's it's Carolina, but well, it's still one of the one of the thirty-two.
0: I think Ben Johnson's probably going to have.
1: He'll have his pick. Yeah. God, what a flex that
0: would be if Belichick left New England. And said, "I'm going to Carolina. Watch me cook."
1: You what? know, and Tepper may do that from the standpoint of he can hire. You know, just give Bill full control. He can be coach, GM, all of it. But would Bill do it? I mean, Bill famously didn't want to go to the Jets because of unrest. Didn't know who the head coach, uh, who the owner was going to be, because they were being sold at that point. You know, the the Hess family was selling it, and Woody Johnson hadn't quit quite. You know, completed the sale. Would he want to go to an owner that kind of apparently meddles as much as David Tepper does? Uh, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the the cultural fit. But yeah, Ben Johnson. You know what? I just hope is. As we talk about franchises and kind of the franchise structure, we don't talk enough about how screwed up the Chargers are. I mean, because that is a, and I remember listening to the.
0: They're the LA Clippers of the NFL.
1: You know, but they kind of are. And I think people view them as being more successful than they are. I mean, they're not. They're, even in their good years, they wildly underachieve. But, uh, you know, Danny Wood had uh, had a podcast for a while. I don't know if he he still does, but uh, he and a a teammate would talk about and and they would hammer the Chargers organization. They were cheap. The equipment didn't work. They didn't have training staff. Their facilities were awful. They made terrible decisions. You know, guys would get hurt. They couldn't, you know, uh, recover fast enough because of lack of uh, uh, training staff. Just kind of how screwed up. Organizationally, And I think we think of these things as you have a head coach, the head coach changes the culture or sets the culture and that's your organization. But I mean, it does start top down where a head coach can't go and turn everything around if they're not either willing to spend money or uh, adequate facilities and make a place that you know players want to play. The Chargers don't get enough credit for being not only just underachievers, but kind of a horrendous franchise, as I just thought of the name Ben Johnson. I mean, couldn't you see offensive coordinator Ben Johnson of the Detroit Lions goes to the Chargers? I mean, on paper, offensive mind, Justin Herbert, some weapons, some young receivers. Austin Eckler's still there. Big names on defense. You're playing in SoFi Stadium, LA. Seems great on paper, right? It's like eh. Who's to say he's not the next, you know, Brendan, St- the offensive Brendan Staley? I don't know. It, it's just. There's certain places, and I think you do need to be selective when you're a high-profile coach like that, whether you're experienced like Belichick or you're the new hot name like Ben Johnson. Ended up a uh,
0: tough call for Kellen Moore. (laughs) Made all the sense in the world to quickly hop on with the Chargers, and then you lose Mike Williams, Herbert's one hand is all taped up and he's still somehow more accurate than almost every other quarterback in the NFL, but just hasn't had full pizzazz. And I think more often than not, the Chargers offense hasn't been the issue. It's been the defense, but it usually is the case if you're firing the head coach. Now, Kellen Moore's best chance might be if he gets fired mid and they say, hey, Kellen, here's your shot, and he can put together a little run. Maybe they'd let him keep it. But otherwise, you bring in a new coach, he's usually wanting to bring in all his own coordinators. You would think. You Minus, would think. you know, when Mike McCarthy came and they said, no, Kellen Moore is staying.
1: Well, but this could be a case where kind of jumping the line as we talked about with b enemy where kind of Antonio Pierce, I mean, Antonio Pierce wasn't getting a head coaching job as fast as he just did. And he wasn't I'm even gonna, getting a, probably a coordinator job. No, but I'm going to go ahead and say that if the Raiders have learned anything from the uh, Rich you know issue of two years ago, that what they've learned is also because they're paying two other head coaches not to coach their football team that maybe they don't want to go get, you know, in past they would probably right. be all in to to trade two first-rounders for Bill Belichick or something. I was going to say, like, could, we are not paying him.
0: I was going to say, Pierce might be also a little bit lower on the salary request, having what? zero.
1: That's why I think it happens, because they've maybe not so much that they learned from the Basaccio thing, but the fact that they could get Antonio Pierce because – Probably no one else is looking at him, going, "Oh yeah, we'll get my head coaching job." Like, yeah, um.
0: Though I could also see Antonio Pierce being the type of guy. Say, oh no, you're not lowballing me. I want to make what that guy makes.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, then you just turn around and go, "Okay, let's well, 32 jobs. We'll just go offer it to <laughs> special teams coach. What's his name? All right, we'll hire him."
0: I played the same position as Demeco Ryan's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Everyone's hire linebackers. It it is kind of true. A couple of years ago, everyone was special teams coaches because they had this intimate knowledge of various, you know, uh areas of the football team. And then Joe Judge happened, and so they were like, "Nah, we're good. We're good. That that uh that era over."
0: Hey, Lions make a good run. Going back to that tight end well of coaches. Maybe Jason Witten gets a call. I think he's coaching in high school for his sons.
1: Yeah, I just saw that the other day. They're 11-0 or something like that.
0: I saw the pictures, and his kids looked yoked. <laughs> like I one's a linebacker, the other's a safety. That's
1: uh, what good genes will do for you. So I don't know where we want to go from.
0: <laughs> I wasn't sure where today's episode was going to go, and I wouldn't have predicted most of it, but sometimes those are the funnest ones.
1: Uh, does. We, we, but we always end up going into like deep conversations of like organizational philosophies and coach hirings and just general speculation. So,
0: talked kind of. We hit on what the Thursday games were. Like we said, Sunday night, Ravens Chargers, Bears Vikings, on Monday. I. I may not watch that one. That's day one of high school basketball practice, mm. and I think I'm going to come home and not uh, watch that football game.
1: I'm uh, I'm excited for the next uh, four days of viewing because so you have the three games on Thanksgiving, you have the Black Friday game, which I like. There's usually you know, a couple uh, college games that day as well, and then Saturday, Michigan, Ohio State at noon, the Iron Bowl, Alabama and Auburn at three thirty. And then Survivor Series that night, and then a full slate of NFL games on Sunday. I, I when I was adding all of this up the other day, I went, "Oh, okay, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not doing a whole lot next weekend. Just, just putting that one out there. Bills, Eagles. Bills
0: looked fantastic last weekend, but it was against the Jets. So take that for what you will, and. Like them or hate them, we said we were going to learn about the Eagles through this horrendous stretch of their schedule. And so far, they are flawless.
1: Is it that they're flawless or the Chiefs are just way more flawed than we want to realize? I, I mean, s- put it this way I'm still
0: not scared of the Eagles yet. I think they're not running rough shot like they were remember last season jalen hurts wasn't a good fantasy guy because he didn't play in almost any fourth quarter because they were already up by 25 or 30 so they're in these scrapes and yes if he catches that freaking ball the chiefs probably win on monday
1: Yeah, well, if, I mean, and it, it was a game where, it, like most good games are, where a couple things go different here and there, and it's a different outcome. You know, Travis Kelsey doesn't fumble in the red zone. Right. Pat Mahomes doesn't throw the terrible pick in the red zone. You take those two away, different outcome. Because, I mean, the Eagles sure. didn't run away from him. I, I thought the KC defense, and uh, Chris Jones especially, looked every bit as good as that you know, vaunted front of, of the Eagles. Yeah. Kansas City's problem is, I mean, they didn't score in the entire second half and they're averaging like what, what I see 5.4 points in the second half this season. I mean, that's a problem when you start to play better and better teams. Now, I don't know if it's going to be enough to upset them in the AFC because quite frankly, I don't really necessarily believe in some of these teams, whether it's Baltimore or Jacksonville or I mean, I think it's it's somewhat open there in the mix, but I think that championship pedigree you know, serves them well, but there always seems to be kind of an issue with Kansas City. Uh Philadelphia, on the other hand, the defensive line and offensive line didn't just maul Kansas City like you kind of thought that they would, but they wore you down to that interior play. Like we were just kind of picking on the Chargers that they're sort of missing something. They have all this talent in the skill positions, but they don't win. Well, you know, how many offensive linemen can you name for the Chargers? Defensive linemen, you know, besides maybe like Rashawn Slater on the offensive line for the Chargers. But it's like you can name five deep of the offensive line for the Eagles. You can name multiple offensive linemen for the San Francisco 49ers. Kansas City, You know, same thing. You can name three or four pieces there. These really good teams build through those lines, and, and the Eagles, they're going to be there, and they're going to be a tough out. But you're, you're right. They don't necessarily – some of the stuff they were doing last year, the run game hasn't looked exactly the same as it has previously. And I wonder, Tom, comparing Hertz and Josh Allen, and I said it's just because you mentioned Hertz a year ago. Last year with the Eagles, it seemed like there was always like five running backs. Yeah, there's Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell, and we mentioned Miles Sanders, and just all these parts and pieces, and you didn't know on a week-to-week basis, especially from a fantasy standpoint, of who was going to get the carries and who was going to you know score the touchdowns and what it was, because Hurts wasn't necessarily scoring the touchdowns, and I had Miles Sanders in the fantasy league, and it sure wasn't him a lot of weeks. It might be Boston Scott would have two that week, or might Kenneth Gainwell was going to get all the you know catches outside of those receivers. And this year it does seem like it's a lot more Jalen Hurts on a run or on a bootleg, and he's finding those receivers downfield. So it seems like they have changed a little bit the same way. Oh, DeAndre a- Swift. A lot of Swift, and, and, but Swift has run great. So I totally understand kind of what they've done there. I'd like to see a little more Kenneth Gainwell, because I think he's one of those kind of shifty Darren Sproles type of running backs. Uh, and then you, you add in those receivers, but they're kind of searching for that identity like Buffalo is. Buffalo is doing the same thing right now. And theirs is experiencing all kinds of growing pains there where they try to harness Josh Allen in the post Brian Dayball world. But uh, I think that's the way it is with some of these young quarterbacks. Some of those
0: shots. And it was funny in the game. You heard multiple times at as they're describing a play for Kansas City. Like, oh, he streaks over. As he goes by, you can see Kelsey surrounded by three defenders. (laughs) They're going to have to find out who. It looked like the rookie there, Rice, was coming along. Actually picked him up in the Fantasy League for a little bit, played him for a couple weeks. He started to get a couple touchdowns, and he seemed to have vanished and he's not getting as much time, I think, since they brought Hartland back, but yeah, they're oh. gonna have to find a weapon, and also the replays now of the uh the q b sneak for Philadelphia are just getting fun, and just the vitriol in the announcer voices or people who are posting the replay. This is why it should be outlawed. Look at this. They are lining up helmet to helmet. Look at that defensive lineman's head snap backwards.
1: It's insane. Because it goes back. I mean, this is how football started, where it's just an all-out, you know, scrum. I did like the line. I can't remember if it was Joe Buck or Troikman that said it, uh, that they were talking to another coordinator in the league that said, yeah, the Eagles start every every drive first and nine you know, because they they only have to get nine yards for, for the first down because that last one's automatic. Uh, I did like, I want to put this out. Uh, Jalen Carter trying to catch the spike. And he came close. He came. Well, I mean, it, it, though, we don't know. I mean, like he was there, but as fast as closer I mean, than was, he should have. Absolutely. But just the visual of Jalen Carter diving through between Green a center's legs. legs. And, and almost intercepting a spike would have been, I mean, that would have broke the internet or at least football internet. If if he'd intercepted a, uh, a spike, that would have been outstanding. So, you know what? There's innovation in the league and it's not exactly what people think, where they think it's a Mike McDaniels passing league and running and all this stuff. It's tush pushing and intercepting spikes, which by the way, Tom, we didn't talk about this. So I honestly don't know your answer. Um, did you watch the first episode of in season hard knocks with the Dolphins? I just saw it on HBO Max today, and I but I have not watched it. I had no idea it was premiering last night until I started seeing tweets with with the clips. So I actually watched it uh, working out this morning. Um, yeah, we may have to you may have to catch up. We'll we, we'll we'll talk about All it right. uh, next week. Uh, because, and I'm just fascinated with the like. Okay, I, I know what I sort of think of Mike McDaniel. My opinions changed a little bit this year. I think I was right originally about Mike McDaniel, but we'll, uh, I, I say we talk about this a little bit because it is from the things we've talked about in this episode. I, I find it very interesting, a little, very annoying, but, but very interesting.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. I saw a clip of him from like the press conference in Germany. And there's a German reporter who asked him like some really technical questions and he's like, man, I'm s-, like, he was impressed, like a hot one's guest is with Sean Evans questions. Sure. Really enjoying to nerd out with the, uh, with the guy. All right. Uh, before we wrap it up, time for our Immaculate Grid of the week. Not a sponsor, but feel free to check them out. <laughs> ImmaculateGrid.com. Football, baseball, basketball.
1: Not not, not a sponsor. That's a good gimmick. Could be.
0: We'll leave the door open for you. Give us a call. Give us an email. We'll work with you. That'd be a cool sponsor. Uh, So our uh, categories this week, running down the side, Giants, Dolphins, and Chargers. Across the top, Raiders. Ravens in a new category for the immaculate grid five thousand plus rushing yards in their career. So not five thousand yards with the team, but they had to have been with the team at some point and amassed over five thousand in their career. Which isn't—it's not a tough
1: one. I mean, guys do that. I mean, it is sort of a—it'll be like um yeah, it's five base-
0: good seasons.
1: Well, it's like a, a baseball pitcher needing—I don't know, like. a it's probably less than a hundred wins. It'd be like eighty wins as a starting pitcher or something like that. Maybe f- seventy-five. You know, so, somewhere along that where it's like, okay, if you're a good solid starting pitcher, a good solid running back. I mean, yeah, you could easily do that in four or five seasons in in the NFL. So, uh, no, I like that one, and I like it sometimes when they do that where it's not a. <laughs> all right, fourteen thousand rushing yards. Like, all right, what's this? like eight guys have ever done that? Name the one that you know played a half season in Miami or something. So, all right. Let's dial it up, Tom. Where are we uh where are we starting? Raiders, Giants, crossover right. I always, player. I always start up in that corner as well. Uh, this is one seems like there should be like a multitude, especially with the Raiders. Eli Apple, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anytime uh there's like a the Bengals or Giants, I, I jump to Eli Apple. Um one that the first one that comes to mind is Kerry Collins. Mm, is the first one that kind of jumps to mind uh i mean i know he played for both but i don't know if there's one to one better i mean he's not really known as a raider quarterback but obviously took the giants to a super bowl Mm -hmm. so not super rare but it's also Kerry collins right somehow i always think carrie collins should be on more of these and i'm was actually it doesn't fit
0: Kerry Collins, 15%. Not that's bad. not bad. Giants, Ravens. So the easy one would be Odell Beckham. Yep. Obscure. Did Jason Seahorn finish out with the Ravens?
1: Uh, that's possible to that him. Uh, they're the Rams, but I might be merging Jason Seahorn and uh, like Adam Archuleta together. Mm. Which I apologize to Jason Seahorn because Adam Archuleta is just brutal in the booth. Good player, um, Archuleta. Yeah, Seahorn, not so much. Not, not, it's funny to listen to people talk about Jason Seahorn, the the cornerback. They're like, eh, yeah, yeah, really wasn't that good. Um, at the time, though, he was- he was a star at the time. Yeah, he was dating Angie Harmon. Like, oh yeah, he was he was a big deal there for a bit. Um, The one that came to my mind when you mentioned Odell was Jason Pierre-Paul because he's there in, in Baltimore as well, so kind of same situation. Justin Tuck also, didn't he? he I want to say yes. I'm not saying yes, but I want to say yes. Uh, I say, well, Odell's going to have a lot more, even though even I kind of forget that Odell's there right now. Uh, he actually which, had a big I game get, this week. He did. He did. Let's, uh, I say we go with Pierre Paul. Just because I always think defense is going to score less than offense.
0: 8% not bad. And a New York 5,000-yard rusher.
1: Um, because my mind always goes back to, like, the early 90s. Uh, I would go, like, Rodney Hampton, but he might be kind of close. Mm-hmm. But more of a running Ron Dane. Yeah, I don't know if he was there long enough. Right, but it's for his career. No, I know. I don't know if he was anywhere <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Did Ron Dane have a stop after New York? He must have been somewhere. Oh, but uh, uh, Who had a good run there in the 2000s? Jacobs? Brandon Jacobs is probably... Uh, who was... I mean, like Rashad Jennings would probably be one because he had stops after the Giants, but, but I don't know how much he was necessarily featured because he was kind of right mm. behind Braden Jacobs, and then it was what Jacksonville where there was multiple running backs. And I mean, yeah. Tiki would absolutely be. I mean, I don't and know he's probably would, he's, he's probably the highest I yeah. would, would imagine. I mean, if you want to go all the way back to like Frank Gifford and the GIF. Yeah. You know, yeah, prob- probably not. But it is funny, though, when you, you pick some of these, especially like the receivers, and you're like, oh, well, he must have had a 1,000-yard season. But you go back to like maybe the 60s and 70s, you go, yeah, 1,000-yard seasons were not that common in the you know 60s and 70s as they are now where you have a good season, you're fifteen hundred 1,500 yards. I
0: did look, because I knew we weren't going to use him, I did just look it up because I was curious. Yeah, Frank Gifford only had 3,600 yards. That's crazy. <laughs>
1: But he also probably spent two seasons as a place kicker and then one as a long snapper and, you know. That was over a lot of seasons. Wow. Oh, yeah. A lot of Pro Bowls, all pros. Oh, Frank Gifford was legit. So he got Kathy Lee.
0: He had one season of where he had 800 yards. Other than that, he never broke 500 and he only did that once. No,
1: twice. It, it was still a kicking league back then.
0: Anyway, okay. Sidetrack. <laughs> right, who do you want to go with?
1: I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm thinking, too, like the 80s. I'm thinking, like, Otis Anderson has mm. to be, I would think. Yeah.
0: Let me try that. Otis. When you yep. look it up and you see the ears, that gives you encouragement.
1: Otis with two Ts? With two Ts. 6%. Also known as OJ Anderson. Ever wanted to be OJ back then? Dolphins sure Raiders. This one's hard. I've been kind of thinking about this one from the beginning. I mean, it's you know two teams. You can imagine some of those games in the 70s and whatnot, but I'm... I'm Struggling more for some reason. I pictured quarterbacks, but none of them actually really no. fit.
0: Like, I feel like Culpepper would
1: have had a year with the Raiders right at the end, but he didn't. He didn't, okay. I don't think so. They, they must have signed it because he finished. I mean, I remember him going to Miami because they picked him over uh Drew Brees, and then yep. he was in Detroit. There, he had to have at least if he didn't play for because I can almost picture him in that uniform. Um. Yeah, for some reason, I, I was picturing like all these, you know, like Matt Moores and and all of these guys, but I don't. One that I know did uh, just recently, Kenyon Drake, the running back. He was mm-hmm. Miami, obviously the Miami Miracle, uh, had a season in. Uh, now I don't know if it was Oakland or Las Vegas, but it was one of them. Within the last, it must have been Vegas a couple of years ago. So Kenyon Drake would be a pick. But yeah, I'm still. Like picturing backup quarterbacks, like you have me see, second Mark? guessing now on Culpepper. I know it. He
0: finished his career in Detroit because he was, was
1: there. But was there a stopover after Miami? I'm playing it. I'm looking. I'm I'm looking it up because now even I'm second guessing because I feel like it's one I've looked at before. You you could
0: be right. I remember Detroit at the end where he was a backup and then he came in and actually played pretty well.
1: He did 2007. He was in Oakland, so he went Minnesota only one year in Miami. I mean, it was bad, but it was only one year in Miami when he was 29 uh, and then he played in Oakland. Uh, he started six games in 2007 and then two years in Detroit. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so the more you know. Okay, so Yes. We could play Dante Culpepper, but we've kind of burnt that one. Yes. Um. I don't know if I'm coming up with anything better than Kenyon Drake right now.
0: Yeah, I don't have
1: much. It' weird, right? I mean, these are two kind of storied franchises, and the Raiders are a team that, as I'm thinking more and more, because they're a team that feels like a lot of players have that like kind of last season, like they're willing to sign a guy and bring him in at the end of his career when he might not have much left, you know, like a Dante Culpepper. And I'm not thinking of that many guys uh, right now for any of these three teams.
0: Hmm. I'm going to look it up, though, later. This is one of those (laughs) where I'm like, okay, well, after this is done, I'm going to look at uh, Raiders, Dolphins, players.
1: I need to see the the list. 19%
0: kind of as expected. Uh, Dolphins... And Ravens, I feel like there's got to be a lot of linebacker crossover. I always feel like the Ravens is linebacker crossover. No matter who <laughs> the other
1: team is, it's linebacker crossover. Right, but then when you think of it, it's like most of the Ravens, I mean, they go other places, but, I mean, they have stars there. But Well, I think of
0: it more like when the Ravens cast off their linebackers when they're still kind of good for the next young one. True.
1: True. Um, First one jumps to mind, I don't know why I think of this guy. I've I've used him many times, is uh, Mike Wallace, the wide receiver, most notably uh, with Pittsburgh, but also played, I think, Minnesota, Miami, and Baltimore. Detroit?
0: Or is that the other?
1: There's been a lot of Mike Wallace's. (laughs) The one for 60 minutes? Hmm.
0: this is an interesting group
1: of teams it really is and none of them seem like they should be that difficult but yeah not as many guys jump to mind as i kind of thought there would be with this one which i'm already in my mind jumping ahead to the five thousand yard Mm. dolphin rusher oh and like ricky williams ricky williams that's right he did have that uh that cameo yeah Let's, let's let's go with ricky Good, because I couldn't really think of another one. We could also use him as the five thousand yard rusher. But let's. That's use probably going to be that would be the obvious one. Yeah, for the Dolphins. Yeah, no, you're right. Ooh, thirty three! Wow, that that's like we were talking about beforehand. Uh, Emmett Smith with the Cardinals, you know. Yeah, it, it, it's so random and or that people forgot it that everyone remembers it now it's kind of like the franco harris finishes his career with the seahawks i wish after been, you selected and you were done you could then like click on the spot and it would show you that would be the cool answers see the, it'd be cool to see like the ranking of and i know that that when you click on it it does show you kind of the most popular answers but i would like to see like almost a family feud style Mm. Could you do this like as a Family Feud style? <laughs> you, you could easily do
0: this as
1: yeah, like you know, try try to get the most common. Actually, that would be a lot of fun if you did the <laughs> Family Feud grid style. All right, Got five thousand yard rusher. That Miami might be a Dolphins. YouTube show
0: for us, though.
1: That's not bad. That's how we get the sponsorship with Pro Football Reference. Mm. Or immaculate grid, or both. Well. Pro Football reference powers the immaculate grid,
0: right?
1: So, just we parent company, both. Um, okay, 5,000 yard rusher, Dolphins. Uh, we've already used Ricky Williams. Uh, that's probably the most uh, common, besides what I mean, uh, like Larry Zonka. Yeah, was the
0: Auburn kid in there long enough,
1: Ronnie Brown? Yeah. Mm. I mean, just needs the five thousand for the career. I, uh, I don't know. Well, he yeah, he kicked around there. What Bears to a degree? He was
0: he was the first wildcat guy.
1: It's true. It's true. The, the, with Pat White and and all those guys there. Um, I feel like Ronnie Brown had to have been. A, I feel
0: like he had a good long
1: decent run. Yeah, it, it, it's funny that there's just not more like, great Dolphin running backs in the last, you know, you, you take Ricky out of it especially, and it's like, yeah. okay, you got Ricky, Zonka, and then, uh, you know, the mind just goes places. Lamar Miller was there for a few years, but, I mean, he'd probably be close with 5,000 yards. I feel good about won. it. All right, we'll go with Ronnie Brown. Ooh, did, and apparently played for the Chargers. That's right, finished with the Chargers. I want to say, well, was what's the bears there for a while i mean he was he was in the league i think a lot longer than we kind of realized also i'd
0: be fascinated maybe you can bring it up on yours because you can't kind of redo the same one mm-hmm. ronnie brown in the Chargers spot i bet is less percent than he is for the dolphins
1: oh probably i also wonder what he would be for oh no it wouldn't be dolphins chargers to use him for that spot too you could
0: yeah mm. Speaking right. of
1: which, Dolphins Chargers, no Raiders Chargers.
0: Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, Raiders Chargers. There we go.
1: This is another one that I feel like I, I don't know why the Raiders are tripping me up today. Where I mean, I, I know the franchise well; it's an AFC team, you know, and, and long-term franchises. And for some reason, I'm just blanking on Raiders that that would have. I mean, the, the obvious one's Khalil Mack. You know, jumps to mind there, but that would be the probably the highest you know, rated mm-hmm. one but i don't know why that is the only place my mind is going right now where there's got to be got to be other guys that have played for both but uh that's hmm. Hmm.
0: All right, let's uh let's skip that for now. Let's okay. see if we can come up with one slightly better than the guy that just got traded a couple
1: of years ago. Right. <laughs> Ravens Chargers. All right, first one that comes to mind well, first two that come to mind, Eric Weddle. Yeah, but that's gonna—that's probably gonna be a high one. Uh, what about Danny Woodhead? Another Danny Woodhead mentioned on this this episode. I bet that's a good one. That's probably a good one because he, yeah, because he finished with Baltimore after the Chargers. I can't remember the order there after he left New England, but I think he went Chargers then Ravens. He was good with the Ravens. Hey, 7%. 7%. You know, and that's when you feel good about playing. You know, you feel good at bringing a, a Danny Woodhead on there. Danny Woodhead, he didn't have 5,000 yards. Hmm.
0: I don't think he could have got. I don't think he got. It, it,
1: he. It's because he caught so many balls. I'm looking it up to see if he did. I don't want to shortchange. No pun intended. Uh, Danny Woodhead there.
0: So we're looking at 5,000-yard uh, rushers. For their career, who had a stop with the Chargers, the obvious most popular would be LaDinian Tomlinson. I feel like Natron Means was always my favorite in Madden, outside of, of course,
1: Emmett Smith. Got to get Natron Means on the team. Uh, Danny Wood had uh, just over 2,200 rushing yards for his career.
0: Okay. Yeah, not close. Not really. Outside of uh, Neutron, yeah, I don't have a lot of
1: chargers that are popping up into my mind for rushers. The, so the one I always end up playing, just because he's he's from an era where people don't think a lot about the chargers except for that playoff game against the Dolphins, uh, Chuck Muncie, He's one that's always good for, I mean, he had some pretty big years there where, uh, those kind of Dan Fouts teams, where it's John Jefferson as their like leading receiver, Chuck Muncie's the the running back. Um, I don't know how high it'd be three percent.
0: Which brings us back to our
1: last grid to fill. Which, by the way, I just looked up uh, Natron means. Yeah, fifty two hundred yards. Damn. So, so yeah, he, I he bet would've he would have been it. more popular though. Uh, probably yeah just because of the newer I mean that you do get the bump from did Chuck he play Plus, for the Raiders I think he finished with Jacksonville and Carolina and then I think he was also oh, like back with San Diego yeah three wow three years with the Chargers two years with the Jaguars two more with the Chargers one in Carolina played one game for the Panthers in 2000. he was how, how old was Natron means when he retired after the 2000 season. Thirty-six. Twenty-eight. Okay. Out of the league at twenty-eight, he was a twenty-one-year-old rookie uh, out of North Carolina in 1993. All right. Okay, you're going to have to help me with this because I
0: don't remember his name. Okay. Uh, Hard Knocks Raiders, right? They had this rookie receiver who was really good and they ended up cutting him right at the end and Miami or the Chargers I believe picked him up tall ooh I can almost I can picture it I'm trying to picture like the name on the back
1: <laughs> uh Voss no Doss something Doss I think Might have been Doss. I mean, the only ones I can think of is Mike Doss, who was a safety out of Ohio State, but that was 20 years ago. I remember
0: because he was a rookie, and I'm like, oh, that kid looks really good. Why are they cutting him?
1: I mean, oh, God. Keelan Doss. That's it. But did he... All right, no, he counted.
0: <laughs> I went Both for scored. it. I was, pu- I was, I remember the episode where he ended up with the Chargers. I
1: believe. Point one percent. Wow. I was going to say. Well, my my worry as as you were clicking on that one was, did he actually ever play for the Raiders? Because I've got tripped up with that a couple of times where they did oh, I didn't. I didn't even think Raiders. of that. That was my worry. is I was about to say, but did he actually play? Because I've I know guys that go to training camp, and you're like, oh, he, and then you're like, yeah, he never never actually played for him.
0: Wow, I, I I lucked out on that one. I did Good not know. Good job by you. I,
1: I was I was just glad you mentioned the Raiders season of Hard Knocks and not the split Chargers Rams pandemic season because I remember nothing from that and the guys who played on those LA teams now are just mishmash in my memory. I do not remember who plays for who. They all just play for LA. So, according to this
0: Uh, oh, that's 2023. Oh, he's still playing for the Chargers. Kinda, I think he's on the team. No oh, targets, no targets, no catches. Uh, well, the way they're going, he may get. A okay, change. so I, I definitely misremembered that because he played for Oakland that first year played one game for him in 2020, then hadn't played again until this season. So I just stumbled over that one completely and made it all up in my head. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) There you Uh, go. We found it. Guys, that wraps up this week. Sterling, where can everybody find you? Uh, they can
1: find my stuff uh, on Twitter, or X, whatever you want to call it, at Sterling Pingree. Uh, they can read my Patriots preview Go run ready to go. Uh, that's right. The hay is already in the barn. Uh, for Friday morning, Patriots preview week 12 with the Giants, and then uh, Patriots notebook, the original Patriots notebook, comes out uh, 6 a.m. the day after every game. Mm, we'll see what happens on Christmas. Uh, and uh yeah that they, they can uh, subscribe for free sterlingpangry.substack.com, and uh, never miss an issue
0: there it is we shall be back next week uh also if you are one of our vermont listeners or you love nice good coaching podcast for basketball Hearing Stories, No Fouls, is back as of this week with season two with the legend Tom Haley. Been writing for the Rutland Herald for thirty seven years, something like that. Oh, oh, at least. At least. Uh, you can check that out. No fouls, uncommon deeds will be back in the next week or so. Uh here up our way we lost ken squire this past week the voice of nascar when it first burst on to you know cbs with a daytona 500 racing legend we're putting together a kind of a memorial episode for him talking to a bunch of different people pulling some stories from previous episodes about ken so you can check those out as well the uncommon media the the whole stable back up and running in the next few weeks. Feels good. It feels good to have the full the full compliment going. I know it just means I got to set up my equipment
1: a lot more frequently. It's, it's good for you this time of year. Sure. It's not the holidays without it.
0: We'll be back next week. Thanks, everybody, for the download. Like, share, tell your friends. This has been a production of Uncommon Media.